Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today is Antoine Davis. Davis has been engaging audiences for over 14 years with body percussion and stepping. As a performer, he thrives on breaking down musical and genre barriers through creative interdisciplinary projects. As an educator, he creates community through body music, giving people a unique outlet for expression. As an artist, Davis has expanded his craft by learning and performing as an improv actor and stand-up comedian. Davis co-founded the Las Vegas-based performance arts company Molati, performed the Las Vegas and North American production of Stomp, and has toured nationally with Step Africa. He is actively performing and teaching workshops and residencies in the U.S. and internationally. Davis is also one of Museum of Dance's three current artists in residence. The multi-year Artist in Residence project, Roots, The Power of African-American and Black Dance in America, traces the creation and evolution of African step and hip-hop dance through the lens of tradition, expression, musical trends, socio-political forces, and migration. Museum of Dance Artists in Residence offer their perspectives and experiences regarding step and hip-hop dance from West African rhythmic roots through transformations in the American South in the mid to late 1800s to current iterations. Exhibitions will regard these specific dance styles and how invention, slavery, cultural appropriation, and popular trends changed their roles and forms through time. We could not imagine a more appropriate or timely national exhibition to uplift and celebrate the voices of African-American and Black dance artists. For too long, dance communities outside of the Eurocentric tradition have been overlooked and systematically disenfranchised. The borrowed steps of hip-hop, swing, Afro-Caribbean, tap, and many other dances are often appropriated, while their originators remain unrecognized and their communities siloed. Museum of Dance seeks to disrupt this dynamic by giving artists a platform to share their stories in their own words, movement, and language. Antoine, I have had the chance to speak with you often, and it's seriously always a pleasure. I'm so excited to share your story and current projects with our listeners. Dope. <laughs> Dope. I mean, listening to all that was like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's all happening. That has happened and all happening. And um, yeah, I love it. Thank you, Hillary. This is amazing. So great to have you. Let's start this podcast by hearing a little bit about your life before venturing into the professional world of dance. Oh, goodness. Antoine, where um, did you grow up and how did you find dance for the first oh, time? Oh, man. Oh, this is, as an artist, you try not to be long-winded because you know other artists are long-winded. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, let me try to keep it uh, short and sweet and not boring. Um, I'm a... Um, so I live in California for the last two years. Um, the 12 years before that, I was in Las Vegas. Um, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and I stayed there for 13 years um, and then moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I lived for another 13 years. And then from there, I made my, my migration to Vegas to do stomp and just stayed, stayed there for 13 years. And then, yeah, about 13 years and then moved to the Bay Area about three years ago. What a, um, just your journey just continued west basically. So next is Hawaii, is that, that's next on? Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe it might be uh it might be somewhere else. It might just be the world. I might I don't know. Right. Um, just keep going around and around. But just I love traveling. Traveling is is the, when I was um when I was a kid, I wanted to I thought people who did well in life were people that traveled a lot. Oh. Um because all, all the coolest movies were guys that traveled, like Bond and you know, it was ne- they were never they were never in one place for the whole movie. You know, and I thought that was so cool. But I started dancing. I started performing at the University of New Mexico in 2000. I started joining Jason. Jason Nias had a non-Greek step team that he was forming. And um, I happened to not make grades to play football, to not walk onto the football team at the university. Um, and a friend of mine was like, we, we should go. We should try it out. You would like it. And loved it. Um, and then we started to grab, that was the start of the group called Rhythm Cartel. Um, and then Jason and I became friends and roommates and just, we've been hanging tough ever since. Um, and Molotti is our baby. Molotti is a Molotti cream out of Rhythm Cartel. Molotti is the progression and progression of Rhythm Cartel. We wanted to be able, we wanted to be professional steppers and we wanted to get paid for what we did. But at the time, we didn't know about Step Africa and Stop was the only company. And so um, it was great. It was young. And, and I think like now I, I giggle about the stuff that we used to fret about and, and also how much energy we have for rehearsals. Oh, my God. Sure. Um, right. That changes, doesn't it? Right. Where you, you start to break the older you get. <laughs> oh, man. You would, you know, you we I remember we would learn something and then like, be like, all right, all right, look, look, uh, five more, you know, let's do it five more times and then go. And we do it the five more times. And it's like, wait, I was thinking. And then we would end up just talking about this other thing and start this other thing. And now it's like, look, I, we got an hour. I got, I give you an hour and then we're done. But <laughs> my, my upbringing, um, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you, you, Jason and I, Jason Nias and I, and College Freeman and I, um, our our stars are aligned and our stories are intertwined so if you hear jason's there's a big piece of my story in that story um but stomp stomp um stomp step africa mulani um those are those are my on my resume as my as my big three shows that i did um after i got after i left after i came home from stomp i joined i took some improv classes and loved that and performed that at the first Friday in Las Vegas. And then started doing stand-up and did that for a couple of years, like open mics and small little paid gigs and stuff. Um, Cause it was one, it was something I've always wanted to do. Since I was like 12, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, and it really helped me shape the performer I am today. Um, so doing that was great. Um, but the actual first time I was dancing, just performed was the fifth grade. Um, there was a, a dance team that was a drill team. And there was these like five or six girls that would like dance to the latest hip hop music and do the latest hip hop dances. And that was a big deal at my school in Milwaukee. <laughs> and we would have assemblies and the, we would go, the kids would go crazy. They would like we'd have assembly and, you know, the principal come out. We all sit there. We'd be quiet. And then it's like, all right, kids, we have a couple minutes left. So um, here's our drill team. We would ah, 
yeah, they come out to the latest dance songs. And the, this is like 88, 89, nine, you know, 88. So they coming out to, you know, Guy and, and all the, you know, the latest of that early golden age of hip hop and do all the latest dance moves. And they had auditions. And the summer before that, my friends showed me how to dance, so like the Running Man and the Roger Rabbit and all that stuff. And so I learned how to dance the summer before that. So when I came in in the fall and they had auditions, I, I ripped, I did it. And then um, <laughs> was on the drill team. That was my first time performing. Oh, um, interesting. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yeah. So you were, <laughs> was this like a, like you were cool. Like this was like a vetting thing in school. Like if you were part of the, the drill team, you were basically in. in terms yeah, of you were cool. And I just, I wasn't cool. And um, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I definitely wasn't. I was OK. I wasn't cool. But the drill team was like was dope and I wanted to try it. And then I end up and then I end up falling in love with sports and, and like falling in love with basketball and playing football and, and left it alone. Um, and, you know, just being a class clown and being a cut up in class is something I've always done. Uh, so there's always been a performer in me, but it wasn't until 2000 that it was like, this could be a thing. And it wasn't until 2006 where it was like, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I am. I am a performer. I don't need a job. I don't need nine to five. This is what I do. This is my legacy. This is my life. And then things picked up from there. And now we're here having this, this podcast. This this journey now, is continuing. And now we're digging even more into it. So. So in a way, like all of these experiences sort of came together, right? Because if you think about the dance profession, right, for sure. And I don't need to be telling you this, but this, this concept of like your experience as on the, on the drill team and then your experience in comedy, stand-up comedy, and then your experience with sports, obviously all of those skill sets have to go into the work you do as a professional body percussionist. I mean, you don't. You yeah. can be up on stage for an hour and, and be sweating and not know what it's like, right, to, to train in, in sports. Like we, we know in that the dance community, it's, it's athletes and dancers have a lot in common. Yes. Athletes and dancers very much have a lot in common. Um, um, as far, especially, well, no, no, not as far as when it comes to discipline, when it comes to um, commitment. When it comes to work ethic, it's what I realized for me when I started stepping, it was no different than football. You would run a play and we would just repetition it until everyone got it. This is the play. Coach would like, all right, here we go. We're going to run it as many times as it takes for us to learn this play. Same thing in dance. Like, cool, we have a routine. We're going to learn these eight counts until everyone's good on it. And then we're going to move on and we give it a name. And when it's time, we'll call it like a like a football player. We're calling, you know. Hey, y'all, we're going to run, you know, um, 24 counter on go. Same thing with a dance. All right, we're going to run Aruba. We're going to run Aruba a little fast today. We're going <laughs> to run it in a four five, you know. And so it's the same ethic, the same work ethic. Um, and, and then for me, working in an ensemble, it's like working in a football team. So I have a role to play and my energy and my effort puts us over the top and helps us win. Athletes and, you know, the injuries, some of the injuries are the same. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, some of the wants and needs as an athlete, as a dancer are the same. It's funny because you have athletes who want to be dancers and dancers who want to be athletes. And, but yes, yeah, the same. Yeah, but it all it all helps. 
And there's also that kind of joke about like, I can't, I have rehearsal. It's probably like the same in, um, in sports world, right? Like I can't, I have to, I have to, I have practice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to practice. I have to study. Um, I have to go lift. I have to go train, you know? Um, and yeah, the body, the athlete definitely is as demanding as the dancer, you know, the, the, I would say that the energy is a little different of preparing for a game and a show, but it's still the same. Like we're putting in, we're putting in 20, 40 hours of work to do this one hour performance or one hour game, you know, football practice is the same. I got, we're going to put in 10, 12, 14, 15 hours of, of practice, which is called rehearsal <laughs> um, for, to prepare for one game, one, one hour game. And then once that's over and we put all our energy and our, intentions into this one moment to win, to, to achieve this goal, we start all over, start from the ground up and go, cool. Next week is this. And so we prepared the same, same, same thing. Um, it's, it's, um, I would say the vehicle's different, but the, the energy is there. I, when I teach kids, I talk about lateral movement and, and, and um, timing because it's in sports. When you're boxing, it has a rhythm. When you're playing basketball, when you're dribbling and you're, and you're cross people over, that has a rhythm that that's the reason why some of these other basketball players are better because their rhythm mm. is not the same as the other guy's rhythm. Um, it's a rhythm boxing. Um, it has a music to it. When you're punching, it's not just you going for it. It's a, it's a one, two, one, one, two, stop, pause, three, four, stop. You know, it's a, a slip. It's the same energy. And so, your body's engaged the same way you would be in as a, as a, as a stepper. Um, and, um, and I, so I'm teaching kids, so I'm kind of giving body percussion a practical world use. Um, and I have a lot of little athletes in my classes and I'm telling them it's, it's about weight control, hand-eye coordination. It's about seeing, seeing something, hearing something and being able to play it. Um, and the same thing in sports, if you, you know, Sometimes uh, I had this one kid and I was telling him sometimes um, the difference between me and you in a foot race is our footsteps, our strides. Uh -huh. And it, and I told him I can if I can if I know music and I'm listening to your strides, I know I can I can tell how close you are, how fast you're running and I know how to beat you. <laughs> and I was like, it's, you know, it's music. It's in my body. Sure. But it all takes practice and to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and we've been discussing this kind of in other podcasts too, just about the, the demands, the demands of all the things you're mentioning, the, the, the ability to maintain rhythm, coordination, um, body space, time, energy, understanding those concepts in addition to, um, the performative aspects. And then of course, what we've been discussing kind of the physical demands, it's, it's really a, uh, a lot of, um, different qualities and different elements coming together. And of course, highly paid positions too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right. So, um, Antoine, your experience co-founding this body percussion dance company, Molati, west of the Mississippi, has been really pretty fascinating. Can you tell us about how you founded the company and perhaps um, maybe what gaps you're filling in the dance world? Oh, wow. Tell us about Well, let's start with the finding of Molati. Um, I always wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Um, I, Jason and I talk about it and I, it's Jason's, so... I would say I'm definitely co-founder. If, if Molati's the baby, Jason's the father, I am a very close uncle. 
Um, I am just as invested in, in, the, in the growth and the, the progress and success of this company. Um, I've told Jason a thousand times, I got your back. You know, this is, Moladi for me is my ode to the world. The thing that I've always wanted to give the world something that will uh, last for a hundred years after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, people still talk about Caesar. People still talk about the influences of ancient Egypt and Rome. Um, people still talk about the, the contributions of Einstein and other great scientists. And I was like, I want my name and Moladi's name to be something that in 2023, kids are like, yeah, I saw this video of Moladi and I love their show and I want us to do that. Or I'm, 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 I'm using the music for Moladi or I'm going to Malalify the show. Mm, um, nice. That show was very Moladi of us, you know. Um, but fine. so that was my energy about it from the beginning, even though we weren't there, <laughs> we so weren't, we so weren't us. Sure. Like what we do now is not who we were in Albuquerque. We were, you know, scrounging for gigs and happy about we, we, Jason and Jason, I was with Jason. We did a thing for the city of New Mexico, city of Albuquerque and the city of Albuquerque wanted to pay us some money to perform in like the town square this festival that they, they were putting and Jason played hardball. Okay. He played hardball with the city and got us uh, bumped up a nice fee of $250 to split between seven people. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. We, but what was crazy was that we were so hyped. I was in the room with Jason. He was like, we should do this. I was like, you should do, we were like, you know, we hyped each other up to do to like Jason to, to make that call and to, and to, and to, and to have, the heart and the balls to say, no, we want 250. <laughs> and they and they budged. We went from 125 to 250. And and we <laughs> and Jason and I in the car laugh about that because we like now, we're like now we don't even get out of bed for you know less than that. I mean a sure. lot, lot more than a 250. And and we were really sweating bullets by that 250. So I was there in the grow. Um Molotti, um, I love bragging about my company. I love telling people that there's only five people in the world. There's only five or six, maybe even 10 people in the world that do what I do. And four of them are in my company. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I love saying that. Um, so cool. Gaps in the dance world, gaps. I think there's, um, I don't know if there, well, you know what? No, no, no. There's <laughs> the old guy, the older guy in me. There's definitely, there's definite gaps. I think there's no mentorship. I think there's no proper, safe mentorship. I think uh, awareness of the of its of, of awareness because there are, really are some dancers and then dance forms that are in a bubble, um, mm-hmm. and and they don't they. Let's just do that. It's in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, oh yes, and and um, that's the work that we're doing together, right? Is like is um, there's opportunity always for education, and there's opportunity always for cross um, cross examining each other's sort of practices, and also like looking into our own, right? And yeah. I'm not speaking about yours as much as I am kind of the this what we're working with with the, sort of the Eurocentric forms of dance is like let's look into the way that our practices have um, maybe kind of marginalized others and and not maybe intentionally, but yet again, 
in the same, same way we practice sort of like looking at ourselves, me as a white individual in terms of like white supremacy, um, the same exists in codes across dance. And I think um, what I'm excited about is sort of the, the steps, no pun intended, that, that your company has taken to kind of educate across um, just cultures and then also history. So sure. can you tell us, I mean, um, can you tell us a little bit about your process with, with making dances with Molati and how you involve kind of <laughs> different cultures? Well, I don't know how to, well, I could give you the, the layman's term, the bare bones bottom market, just dance it up a little bit and make it sound like this, 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 this combination of it's, it's Molati is working with, uh, yeah, man, it's like trigonometry and physics, man. We, we do an alchemy in the room. <laughs> um, well, what it really is, is um, the curiosity of combining the curiosity because, because, okay, we start from the kind of the top. The beauty about strife and struggle is that it's opportunity for new, right? And so for Rhythm Cartel, what you have is Jason and his friends, these kids who won, not all of them, one out of the 11 kids that started the group, almost half the group is not black. And you now have a co-ed step team. And so those are already, as far as, as, far as the, the look of what a step team shouldn't look like, we're already breaking two of those rules. Right. Um, we're non-Greek and we're, and we're non-Greek and we're co-ed. And it's not all not, it's all, it's different people of different races and not all of them step. And so instead of, um, so with, with that, instead of us shunning it, we embraced it, yes. embraced the, embraced the current situation. And, and then said, you know what, since we're here, we got this, we got a beatboxer, we got a rapper, we got a tap dancer, we got a girl who salsas. Why don't we just incorporate all that and push the boundaries of a step show and see how far we can be without losing its essence. And so that's, that's the, that's the, that's, that's where we started. And that's kind of where we're still, no, no. Not kind of. That's where we started. And that's what we're still working with. Jason has different and prettier and more beautiful words to say it um, and different ways of saying it, which all breaks down when it all comes back to how far can we push the step show um, boundaries? How far can we push it without losing its essence? Um, the foundation of us is stepping. And so everything's based off of that. And so it'll all end and start with that. Um, but how, what, what type of story can we tell? What type of art form can we use? What type of song can we use? We have a, we, Molati has a, a remake of Feeling Good that involves um, cello and djembe and cajon stepping hip hop and a, and a singer. We have a gypsy jazz version of Mr. Paccanini um, that involves a, a cello and a guitar um, and swing music. Right now I'm working on a Lindy hop and stepping piece. So how far, how far, how much, like a cook, how many ingredients can I mix? What combination can I make to take this to another level, to take this to another place? Um, and so that's what we're working on. That's, that's the idea. I, I love the, that. I mean, there's so many things about that I love. And I also feel very sad that I haven't known more about Molati before like this last year, I think. And, and super excited to see 
how post-pandemic life takes sort of these next processes together, because I can only assume it's like every other dancer right now is just this hunger to kind of, um, that, that, you know what? Um, well, it's funny yeah. to see, cause we are we, not only, not only is that we're, we're also aging. So how we see the perspective of a show and the progress, the, the, the progression of the flow of a show is different. And, um, and it changes with the chemistry of the people in the group. Me, Jason, and Khalid have been there since the beginning, but uh, people people come and go, and they all have different skill sets, and 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 the the um, inspiration changes, the chemistry changes, you know, um, which is amazing to see and feel, um, to be a part of that process to create. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's not a brave new world. It's just that's where we're at, creating, taking what we have, taking currently what we have and not, not allowing limitations to limit us. Right. Right. And, and so with all of this, with kind of all of the, the work that you do, right. The, the mm-hmm. we, we know as performing artists, there's the culminating event of a performance. So can you tell us a little bit about, obviously maybe not, well, not obviously, but not so much including the pandemic experience because God knows we we have not been able to perform as we once did with the feedback from the audiences. But what have been some of your favorite moments as a performing artist? Oh man, favorite moments as a performing artist. Well, you know, I, I did get to do a festival for the um, San Francisco Epic Dance Festival, and it was a like a lecture demo workshop, which was really cool. Um, it was really cool. I think it was a great representation. Uh, I think I did a, I think I did a decent job of representing the culture, representing my people, representing my lineage. Um, we, we, got, cool. we got the chance to catch some of that and it was, I have to say, very cool. And we love the ethnic dance festival and what they yeah. do, uh, as you know, to our listeners who might not know the ethnic dance festival was founded in San Francisco and, Actually, one of the founders we had the chance to interview for this podcast, Carlos Carvajal. And it's just a, I think it's a great um, way to, for artists to really kind of help explain, not to, you know, to point too much in the direction of our exhibitions, but really the, you know, the roots mm-hmm. of the form, the roots of the form. So. Yes. Um, you know what, there's, there's, there's a couple of moments that as a performing artist, just stands out. Um, uh, I performed in in Bali in a temple that was a thousand years old, and I was one of the first non-Hindus to be in this temple. Oh, wow. And not only was I in the temple, I was performing in the temple, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to perform in Paris in 2016 on my birthday um, for the Body Music Festival. I um, I. Uh, I performed, I did a, a, a piece with Jazz Mafia. They did a, an event called um, Treat Social Club. And I was one of the guest artists. So I got to play along a band. And we played five or like, like different little vignettes. And I got to body percuss and step. And, and um, as an artist, I, was, I felt incredibly satisfied and fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, those two, like you're saying at the beginning of this talk together, like the traveling around the world and then having the chance to perform in these sort of, first of all, like a sacred space. And then one of the, obviously like the most wonderfully rich artistic cities in the world. Um, and also very romantic was it was on your birthday in October. That's so cool. Yes. What a great time to be in, in, uh, in Paris. It was so awesome. Um, there's not too many times. Well, I'm manifesting greatness for myself and I, I will definitely be a, a wealthy person. Um, and so I will definitely have more birthdays in exotic places, but nice, nice. <laughs> to, to, to have my birthday in Paris, you know, was awesome to be in Paris on my birthday was awesome. Sounds amazing. Um, and as you know, as we mentioned before, in addition to being a performer, you're also working and highly sought after dance educator. Um, can you, you talked a little bit about how you engage with your students and this concept of like mentorship as a really much needed thing. Can you, can you speak to the, as you're, as you're working with dance education in the schools, maybe the important aspects of the kids you teach having this access to dance specifically? Oh man. Well, first I just want to say I'm a little jealous because when I was a kid, this was not the case. (laughs) um this was not the case um all as a as a young black kid in milwaukee um i think i only had two black teachers um and the rest were not not african-american um but i did have art and i did have music but it just what i'm doing right now with the kids i'm like nothing like this it would be different it would have been different for me if i could like work with me when i was that age um but the importance, um, I mean, so <laughs> I apologize. I, That's okay. <laughs> the importance is the emphasis and the focus is really what I'm doing is teaching value. I'm teaching um, community building through art for the kids. I'm teaching social justice through art for kids um, and adults. Um, I get an opportunity to play music and bond with music through music with these kids. They get to bond through music and build trust because now we're a team and I give them history and context of, okay, so we are a step team. We're not just a class, we're a step team. And in a step team, we look after each other. We don't laugh at each other. We don't put each other down. We actually have to lift each other up because we wanna show the world what it looks like when people work together and when people put their best um, energy and foot forward, this is what it can look like. And so I was like, our weakest link, so we're only as strong as our weakest link, and I want our weakest link to be pretty strong. So, and so that then gives everyone that I that that mold that that thought of we're in this together. So when I ask you, random kid or random student, to show us the move, you're not put on the spot. We are, it's all love here, it's all support and love here. So give them, I want to give them that. The second thing is um, music is, music in the art is, is not just a part of your life. It is the fabric. It is, inter, it is interwoven. It is everything around you. Um, and the, there's an artist in you. And we're just trying to activate that being inside of you. Um, Man, so, I wish I had had you as a dance teacher as a kid. 
<laughs> not to mention you wanting you. I mean, how lucky these kids are to have just the the um, beyond kind of like I'm going in and I'm teaching these dance steps. You're activating, as you're saying, I love that word activating, activating the artist within. How cool is that? That like you're you're basically seeing the potential in each of your students as able to rise to that occasion. That's, they're really lucky because I think, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of students right now don't have access to arts and it's getting cut, you know, more and more and more. And um, at the same time, some of the, the programs that are happening are just doing so well. So it's kind of this strange combination of the two, but uh, hopefully we can, reawaken to the the potential and the power of arts arts in schools and especially you know underserved schools as you mentioned mm -hmm. underserved communities um gosh that's neat so how many students do would you say teach a week oh man Ooh, uh maybe two to three hundred two to three hundred kids Ooh. and what what ages uh, third through high school, third through 12 uh -huh. this year. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, I get to, a lot has happened. There's so many layers to having Antoine Davis in your classroom. Cause so I'm teaching you this, 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 um, this dance form. We're, we're working on Stephanie which has implications. So if you're a young black student or not a black student, it has historical implications. But as a human, we're playing music with our bodies, which is something that we've done from the beginning of time. So you're getting to kind of tap into a different part of, you're activating different parts of your mind and body that you don't get to activate all day. Then um, for, for the young, for young people, young children of color, um, they don't have too many men in their classes teach or men of color. And so they get to interact with me and that helps shapes, shape their mind on what they can be and, and how black men are looked upon in their community and in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and then how I carry myself and how I talk helps curve, help, helps curve, helps paint a picture. Um, and um, I think a lot of that, that, all of that needs to be, all of those things, are parts of what I do. Um, so it's not just teach step. It's not just teach body profession. Um, I'm changing perspectives. I'm, I'm, I'm adding different uh, hallways in their lives, like different routes and different ideas of what expression can be, what it can look like, um, how it can sound, um, and giving color to the world around them. So it's, it's, it's the, the aspect of what I do is really dope. And I am really um, honored and privileged. And it can be a little scary because I'm like, I am curving these kids. I really need to. And it's like, all right, let's make sure that our message and our energy is correct because yeah. this, you know, any given moment, these kids could really wake up and be inspired by something you said or did. Hopefully something positive. Oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure you are having more impact than you realize. So great. And so I want to make sure that we're getting to this other part of your work right now and um, something that I'm really fascinated in. So 
in addition to your work as an educator and a dancer, a performer, stand-up comedy, and um, kind of even improv-based uh, like technique master, you are you have this like growing interest in the power of body percussion to help overcome trauma. Yes. As it can act as a therapeutic, maybe even uh, perhaps somatic-based approach toward healing. And I am like super, super interested in this aspect of your work and would love to hear more about about um, how you're thinking about that. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I uh, every thought starts off small and then you, when you dig in, it gets more complicated. But the bottom line, my first thought is I know that playing music with my body, I tell everyone in every class that hitting your body, there's, you know, hitting your body causes a vibration that aligns and balances your chakras. Um, and so when you are aligned and you are open, you're not in a bad mood. I have not ever taught, I have never taught, not ever, yeah, both. I have never taught um, and been in a bad mood after playing on my body. Mm-hmm. Same thing with rehearsals, even though I might be mad going in, <laughs> in that moment, I'm not, I'm not in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I get nervous, sometimes I'll do a little bit, I'll, I'll play, I'll, I'll pat and play and, and make a beat with my body before I do whatever I'm doing was making me nervous. Um, it's a great mechanism to calm yourself. And so, and then the effect of happens when you play with other people. It's a it's a manifesting energy that happens. We all get to play the same thing at the same time. And it everyone's in a good mood after. Music and dance are two things that we can all agree on. We can all, we can all agree on that. Um, food and clothes and religion and politics and all that stuff, those things are subjective. But I think with music and dance, I don't think anyone's ever said, I hate this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... When it comes to the full person, we, we always talk about the mind, the body, but never the spirit and the soul. Um, and, and we always, and most people in America, most uh, circles, or most people are valuing um, material things as the, the, worth, the wealth of a person and not their, mental, not their mental or physical or spiritual maturity, capability. Um, I know that there are people hurting out there and what they're, they're missing, what they're missing components, what they're missing is engaging in art. We all have art in us. We're all creatives. We all, we all, we, we are now some of us different levels. Some of us aren't as good as others and whatever, 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 but I like to draw. Not a great, I don't, I'm not a great artist, but I love it. It helps me calm myself. Um, but it took me, I've been doing this since I was five. And because I did it when I was five, I knew, I knew the effects then. So it's, that's what I do now. There's most people, I realize that there are some people in the world who don't have those outlets. There are some people in this world who's never taken a dance class ever, who's never taken a a painting class ever just for poops and giggles, just to see what happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. there are people who have seen classes where glass blowing and was like, oh, I will never. I'm like, and so I want people to know your mental health. There's components missing. And part of it is art. Mm-hmm. You should, you should, you know, 
Um, there's a thing that happens when you when you dance. There's a thing that happens when you listen to music. There's a thing that happens in your spirit when you draw. Now, I didn't say anything about the quality of the work you did. I'm just saying engaging in these practices does something to the mind and the body. And I think we in America negate that part of us. And so um, we don't think of it as a way of healing. We don't see we don't see art as a way of healing. We we and even though there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of examples, I don't know why we don't use it. And so these kids, kids are vessels who are just waiting to be given energy. Mm-hmm. And American, so there are you know people who think that giving these kids reading and writing, reading and writing in history is enough. And it's like, no. You have to, we need, they need color. They need sound. They need, they need music. They need things to help them paint Mm -hmm. this world a better place. And you can't, you can't create until you yourself haven't, have, have been a part of something creative. It's hard to, it's hard to speak English if no one's ever spoken to you in English. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Um, (laughs) you know, so if I, even so, I know that my 300 kids are not leaving my class and starting step teams. And in 10 years, you know, kids are going to be like, Antoine, Mr. Antoine, I took your class in 2020. And now look at me. I, you know, I, I don't I know that for, I, I'm betting on them not becoming steppers. But what I am doing is putting the bug in their head about expression and about creativity. Some of them are going to grow up and, and do other creative things. But I want them to know or feel this this moment now. Like, you know what? I had a class with Mr. Antoine and we made up some steps and it was really cool. And I feel that I could create anything that I'm like that. Um, creative, creative um, sort of thinking or yes. in anything that you do. We think about anything this last year, right? The, the ability to create a vaccine. The ability to create policy measures that bring people back together after a very divided last four years. And it takes, and those things take teamwork, it takes discipline, it takes commitment. And so for me, what I want to do is just point out to people that your mental well-being, um, your mental well-being, your mental well-being is like your actual physical health. You can be healthy and get sick. <laughs> you can be sick and get healthy. You can <laughs> you can develop a disease. You can develop a cold. You can develop the flu. You can also develop some of these mental psychosis that are happening in this world. You can develop depression. You can develop anxiety. Um, but you need things to balance out the 100% that is Hillary and what helps Hillary balance and what can help you balance out the hundred percent of your mental well-being is art, and so what I want to do is a series of workshops and panels to make those connections for people. Um, that you don't have to be Van Gogh to do art. You don't have to be, you know, uh, Gregory Hines, or you don't have to be those people. But you should partake in some art in your life. There are grown-ups that haven't touched the paintbrush since they were a kid you know, 20, 30 years, same thing with dance, same thing with music. 
There are, there are kids growing up who can't dance because their parents don't dance at home or play music at home because their parents didn't dance at home and play music at home, you know? Um, and I understand that for certain households, but education is valued more than dancing. Cool. But I believe that dancing um, is as important as, as it's, it's a balance. All work and no play. Um, I need to play as hard as I work. And so my mental health is depending on balance. And so if I get all of something and all of nothing is bad. So my work, I just want to, I really just want to open up some workshops and panels to kind of point out to people the connection between those two. Your mental health and the arts are connected. I think it's so needed. And I think the um, the concept of, uh, you know, what we sort of, I mean, this could get very meta very quickly, but what we believe and think is what we experience, right? There's this bumper sticker that I always, that strikes me. It's just like, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> and I, I think that that, you know, this, that art and dance specifically has this ability to take us to this spiritual realm, this, this other place that's not based in data or even testing or, you know, things like that, but that, um, the arts have is, uh, you know, dance specifically gives us this processing mechanism to, like you mentioned, like color and sound. It gives us a processing mechanism to feel and to process what we've seen or we've learned. Um, and there's power in that. And I, I love, I love where you're taking this. I think it deserves fiscal support and attention. And um, of course, our work with Museum of Dance, we're trying to, you know, kind of ignite this aspect of your work. Um, and I think it, I think, you know, one thing that I've noticed this last year a lot, there's a couple of threads I follow on Instagram, what is called the good news movement. I don't know if you've seen that one and um, mm -hmm. another one uh, similar to that, but just these great people kind of saying, you know, I'm sick of seeing all the bad news and I want to just post the good stuff. So it's like, grannies and grandpas doing some cool moves and, you know, UPS drivers getting some big check from their community and just cool stuff like that. And what I've noticed, Antoine, is the dancing. Like there's so much dancing happening this year and so much like, okay, we can't do anything right now, but what we can done, do is dance. <laughs> and yeah. doc doctors in the hallways of these like terrible days, straight, like days and days and days of people dying and assisting deaths and seeing family members torn apart and just the, you know, it's been something I've been noticing that's coming out of just this need to dance. And um, so I think there's so much power in, in that, what you're doing. I think it's really, I think I really feel, I think I feel, um, I feel that there are people who really need to know that more than others. Um, and oh, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? I feel that some people see these things and disconnect them from what they're seeing. Right. Um, or there's people who are okay, who, who are, who are, who's always played the sidelines and never played in the game. And so they're used to seeing people dance and go, the good's for them and, and feel good for seeing it, but, but not entertain the idea that maybe I could dance too. Right. Maybe I could, I don't, you know, like the, <laughs> maybe I could cut a rug a little bit too and feel just as good and not, and not have to kind of live this way. 
um, or be unhappy or be unfulfilled or be unsatisfied. Uh, um, right. And so, yeah. 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 And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be bad. I mean, well, hold on, let me take a step back. I process my feelings through my music now. So um, if I'm feeling a certain way, I'll draw or I'll step or I'll play music. Um, and I understand that there are certain people that don't do that. And so I want to be, I want to, like with my kids, just point out, there's another, here's another avenue, y'all. Here's another way out. Here's another way of soothing. Here's another way of coping. Here's another way of dealing. Here's another way of getting through. You don't have to, you don't have to do things that you've always done the same way, always over and over and over again, or find habits or find coping mechanisms that are mm, not as healthy for you. Here's a healthy one over here. Here's a great one over here. And there's tons of dance teachers and art teachers who would love for you to come over and pay a little bit of money and take a class. <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's a, there's a ton of beginner hip hop, you know, beginner contemporary, beginner ballet, beginner stepping classes out there. <laughs> you know, hardest uh, to teach probably too for professionals, right? I mean, I yeah. yeah, it's hard to teach beginners. Support those artists, yeah, totally. yeah, and support and 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 it's just it's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. You may never you may never sell your artwork. You may never do a gig, but the idea that when you leave this room after the hour, you are transformed and you are in a better place than you were when you got there. Right. Yeah. I love that. what you said earlier about like, you never leave angry. I can relate to that. You can go into a dance class, just fuming about something about the end. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I let it go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I can think clearer about it now that I've danced and danced out my, my emotions or I'm just too tired to be mad about it anymore because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm too tired to, to be mad about it. Right. So cool. Let me think logically about it. Or you know what? It's not really a problem. I've danced it out. I'm I'm good. You know, right. um, I have a place to express myself. And I think everyone should know, should have a place of their own to express themselves. Absolutely. Even if it's in your own uh, kitchen right now, right? Just Yes. <laughs> yes. That's where I'm at in my kitchen. <laughs> oh man. Dancing like a fool. Um, um, but yeah, it's a good place. And, and, and for me, teaching class is draining, but also fun. Um, it, it, um, the kids inspire and ignite me. Um, the adults that teach inspire and ignite me. Um, it's super, it's, it's therapeutic for me as it is for them. Um, and I want to, I just want to spread that feeling around to everybody, to more people. So, so needed. Well, we're super excited about it. And I know the more, the more you share it, the more um, you'll gain traction and, and uh, hey, maybe even be sent to Paris. You never know. Be sent to Paris. Ah, yes, Paris. <laughs> um, Antoine, unfortunately, our time is wrapping up here, um, but I would love for us, I, I've been, uh, I told one of our other, other artists um, that, you know, I've been, of course, listening to podcasts as I produce this podcast. And one I've been kind of loving following recently is a woman named Brene Brown, who's sort of this, you know, coach for 
I guess, um, feeling and, you know, becoming bolder and braver and people and citizens. And she's done some really great interviews recently with President Obama and President Biden and others. Um, But she does this really great thing, I think, that I love at the end of the podcast where she fires these rapid fire questions um, and they're just kind of last moments to get to know the people on board. So I figure she'd be okay with us following suit and just wanted to see if I could fire a few away at you. Uh, Are you? Do it to it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So if you could instantly change one thing about the world right now, it would be. Emotional intelligence. I would, I would, um, I would up emotional intelligence. Dance artists are. Healers. If I had a million dollars for my next work, I would. I would, um, I would work for the next hundred years. Nice. Without dance, the world would be. Without dance, the world would be the town from Footloose. (laughs) I might be most known for. Um, Being an incredibly charismatic and charismatic um, and helpful, loving human, compassionate, and 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 an amazing and, and impactful performer and teacher. Oh my gosh, totally. Oh, I could vouch for all of those for sure. Anton, seriously, as always, it's always a pleasure to exchange an ideas and conversation with you. Um, I'm really looking forward to continuing our work together and especially sharing this podcast with our listeners. Um, I think mm-hmm. they will be really excited to hear you you speak. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.